grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning, and we'd stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school. Hell, we loved pretending we were frontiersmen, as we'd build shelters, traps, and practice making fire with sticks the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a Stand By Me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was that we'd walk the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the tracks. Of course we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers. We discovered bridges no one went to. We fished, we hid from trains. At night we camped in the woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so fun we did it multiple times and never had a problem. After high school, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home, but always stayed in touch and always tried to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally. Well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with the family in the day, and at night, we'd either catch drinks at the bar or sit around Joe's house around a fire and talk about the old days. One night, me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon, we decided to take a day, walk the rails, camp one night, and walk home. That day came, and we started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot, where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we'd take the opposite direction just to be adventurous. We knew the land well and we had a map, so I gave a what the hell and off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a joint, and moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and other stuff. And before night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a thick, forested area, trees on every side of the train tracks so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We had brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk the area around a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill and we were actually camping in their yard. 
We'd walk maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from on top of this short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about a hundred yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do. We both assumed it was a sugar shack or something, because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it either. All was quiet and there was no movement that could be seen, and no lights. We decided to walk a little closer just to make sure. We came down the hill very slowly, and as we neared the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was actually an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, a sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from the years of moss and rot. The cross still stood up on top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass, and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in the front for a preacher to stand. We didn't go all the way in. We sure as hell didn't want to. Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately and went back up the hill to our spot we had picked to camp. Having a hill between us and the church definitely made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk and we decided to rig up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in and we lay in our hammocks and shot the shit. And we began to hear something in the direction of the church. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Do you hear that? Yeah, what the fuck is that? Sounds like people singing. And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two, and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. We decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree but it was nearly pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw light in the distance. It was coming from the church and the singing was coming from the inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to can you believe this shit? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered. 
and though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football-filled length of distance between us, and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit, and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the shit out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher you see in movies, but again, it was like he was speaking in a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. Eventually it got to where the single male voice would say something, and then a bunch of voices would answer in song. This lasted for a while, and then they all broke into this long sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears, and then it stopped. At this point, I was getting ready to say, let's get the fuck out of here, when Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. We were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well, but what we could see was a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in single file. We could see that some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again, and the light from the flashlights began to move toward us in the hill. We booked it back down to our campsite, grabbed our shit, and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back. We saw the lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew a small town was about 15 minutes down the road. We walked there, got to a 24-hour gas station, and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all just thought it was kids messing with us, but I heard those voices and they sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it was definitely the creepiest thing that happened to me out in the woods. That story was crazy. What do you think the two guys experienced out there? Do you think those were kids playing around in an abandoned church in the middle of the night? Hmm, I don't know about that. Could this have been a secret cult having a gathering? I wonder what would have happened if they got spotted by this mysterious group. Or do you all think they were spotted and that's why they came out of the church? It's a good thing they didn't get caught because who knows what could have happened. There are a lot of strange things happening in Ohio, with the land being built on top of the graves of the many late Native Americans and Civil War sites. 
the usual sights of abandoned houses and buildings that lay across the land. It's no wonder so many horror stories come out of the Buckeye State. The next story I will tell is about a strange sighting that took place on Highway 22 on the Oregon coast. A sighting that still baffles a couple who saw it on a late night drive. I feel I should begin this story with the statement that I am usually a skeptic when it comes to paranormal stories, albeit an open-minded one. I had never had an experience I would truly say was paranormal until this one. I have searched for hours on Google, attempting to find a similar story from someone else, and have had no luck. What really stands out for me is that there is an energy or feeling that accompanies the experience, and even remembering it still gives me this feeling, along with goosebumps. This is not something I normally experience, and most people that know me would probably be surprised that I would be spooked by much of anything. I am a veteran, and I have spent years since leaving the military working in emergency rooms, specialized security, and doing other high adrenaline jobs, and I am not prone to being creeped out. I am hoping to find someone else who may have had a similar experience, as I feel oddly compelled to relate to someone about this. With that, here it goes. A couple of months ago, I was driving with my wife down a rural highway in Oregon, returning home from a road trip to Crater Lake. We live on the coast, and the highway we were taking to get back is very curvy as it winds through the Cascade Mountain Range. It was dark as ink, and probably about 11 p.m. We were driving along, and I was watching the road going about 45 miles per hour. We round a bend and just as we get around it, my wife suddenly says, Look out, there's a person there! It takes me a second for some reason as I let off the gas. Then I notice her, him, it, crouched near the side of this two-lane highway. On my left side is a person wearing what looks like gray baggy sweats or clothes and a reflective vest. This is an easy 20 miles either direction from civilization and is heavily wooded. I begin braking and instantly the figure stands up, faces us and begins jogging directly at the car. It felt like electricity in the air as when she faced us her head was flopped to the side, like her neck was totally limp and her mouth was wide open. She appeared to have gray hair and her arms or hands were held up to her chest. Her wrist curled. Her legs didn't seem to be working right either as she hobbled at us. Then it hit, this primal feeling of dread like my subconscious knew something wasn't right. I couldn't fully focus on her 
as the car was still moving and I had to steer, but my wife was looking right at her. My first thought normally would have been just to hit the brakes and see what was going on, as once again, this is literally miles and miles from town. But there was just this dread feeling in the air, and time almost seemed to slow down. At that moment, I hear my wife say, Don't stop, just go! Instinctively, I accelerated. As I sped up, this lady was jogging right at us and must have come within a foot of running into the side of our car as we went past her. We rounded the next bend, and I looked at my wife and just said, What the heck was that? I, sh I, sh I should turn around. Who the hell jogs out here? What was wrong with her neck? My wife just looks at me and says, No, don't go back. I don't know what that was. I told her I couldn't look directly at her for long as I was focused on the road, but described what I saw and she confirmed that she saw the same. She said that when she came up to the side of the car, she was staring right at us and my wife locked her in the eyes but she didn't have any pupils and her expression stayed just like frozen, mouth open. We scoured news stories and I even contacted authorities. They advised that no one was reported missing or hurt out there. I still get this strange, intense, electrified feeling anytime I think about her, as does my wife. Anytime I talk about her, I'm compelled to refer to the person as it. All I know is, it wasn't right. We have now coined her the floppy-headed jogger. Have any of you experienced something like this? Because if you have, I would love to hear about it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What do you think would have happened had the driver stopped the car and seen if the woman needed help? Several Redditors had questioned, why did the figure wear a reflective vest? Some have mentioned that it could have possibly been the representation of a roadside worker who was killed while on the job, or possibly a skinwalker. Some other Redditors have claimed to have seen similar accounts on the Oregon coast, a coast that is quite the creepy drive at night, especially with all the fog that fills the road. The next story I will share involves an Uber driver who encounters something that seems adorable at first sight, but turns out to be utterly terrifying. Stick around to see what happens. I drive for Uber and I stopped at this house a few hours ago. As I'm waiting, a light turned on upstairs, and this little boy was turning the lights on 
waving at me, then turning them off. He did it a few times and was smiling, and looked like he may be laughing. I waved back and smiled, and even though it was late, I didn't even question it. The girl got in my car a few minutes later. I thought she took so long because the kid was hers, and I commented how cute the kid upstairs was, and her face went pale. She looked me straight in the eye and told me that no one lives upstairs. I laughed because it's spooky season and I thought she was messing with me. I stopped shortly after, looking in the rearview mirror and saw that she was starting to cry. She took a few deep breaths and asked me what I saw. So I told her about the little boy turning on the lights. She called her boyfriend who was still there and was full on freaking out. Turns out her boyfriend had several people mention the kid that plays with the lights and waves. I would have thought it was a joke, but she was shaking and almost had a panic attack about this. Her boyfriend was woken up by the call and the entire downstairs was dark when I picked her up. I have no other explanation for this because of her reaction. My hair is still standing on end just thinking about it. I wonder if the place they live in have a history of a child dying on the property. It's really terrifying to see how she reacted after knowing they've heard guests describe the same child. Some concerned Redditors mentioned that the couple could be hiding a child, and after calling the cops, the poster of the story confirmed that there were no children at the residence, although the cops did not confirm whether the upstairs unit was vacant or occupied. The poster decided to drive back to see if he could spot the kid again. As he waited in his car outside, he didn't see the kid upstairs. But he did mention that while driving away, he saw a kid running in the yard, but it had no sound, no leaves crunching, nothing. There has to be something to that property. What do you all think it is? Moving on to the last story. When I first read it, it definitely gave me chills, but it actually had a pretty good ending that I'm sure you all will enjoy. Please stick around for the last story. Okay, so this happened when I was around nine years old, and it's something I will never forget. It gives me goosebumps to this day. I live in a terraced house, which are four houses combined, and my neighbors and I each have our own little patio. There's a small road 10 meters from my yard where people do their Sunday walks and so on. Only a small fence separates my small yard and patio from that road. I live in a pretty crowded area with several of these terraced houses spread around in my neighborhood. So seeing people walking on that road is pretty normal for me. Seeing random people standing on my patio is not. When I was nine years old, 
I usually got home from school about an hour before my mom got home from work. I live maybe 50 meters away from school, so my mom figured I was mature enough to be home alone for around an hour before she got home. This one day I got home from school, I did the usual thing, which was to make sure I locked the front door and double check that the back door leading to the patio was also locked. I then rushed to my room upstairs to play as much PlayStation as possible before my mom came home and made me do homework. While playing, I heard this noise coming from outside my window. My room was located one floor over the patio with a view to the road. It was kind of like the sound of a cat. But my cat had been missing for over three months. Hope sparked and I thought, oh my god, did he finally come back? I ran downstairs to check if it was my cat. But the sight that met me gives me goosebumps just writing this. There was a guy standing on my patio. A tall guy with black hair covering half of his eyes, making him look like a male version of the ring woman or something. I could hear him making high-pitched sounds, almost like a cat meowing. A brown liquid was running down from his mouth, and I could see him spitting out my dad's stumped cigarettes. He was actually eating from the ashtray. I was frozen observing this, eventually snapped out of it, and screamed so loud that the man must have heard it. He didn't react. He kept on eating from the ashtray. I ran upstairs to my room, locked the door, and called my mom, who then called the cops. I've never been more terrified in my life, lying in bed under my sheets, shivering with fear, as I hear these creepy, high-pitched noises from the guy eating cigarette stumps from the ashtray on my patio. I kind of blacked out for a moment, because the next thing I remember is the police arriving on the road by my yard. I hear them talking to the guy saying stuff like, What are you doing? Get over here or we'll come down and arrest you. And so on. He didn't respond. But the high-pitched sounds were more frequent and louder. I decided to look through the window, feeling safe now that the cops were there. I could see two police officers standing by my fence, one man and one woman. I did not see the creepy man, however, because he was standing directly one story under me and my field of view. The police jumped the fence, and I remember hearing the creepy guy screaming louder than anything I've ever heard before. He charged the female police officer with full force and he fucking knocked her out cold. The male officer then immediately tased the guy, leaving him shaking on the ground, screaming still. The policeman struggled to keep him on the ground while putting handcuffs on him, but eventually made it. After a while, he managed to wake up the female police officer, who seemed to be badly hurt. He called for backup in an ambulance, and then he sees me standing in the window above him. The expression on my face must have been something else, because he just looked at me and said, I sure as hell hope you didn't see all that. 
and I started to cry. By this time, neighbors started to arrive wondering what the hell was going on. One of my neighbors, an elderly woman, made me come down and she took care of me until my mom came back home. The police took the creepy guy with them in the car and left. But before they left, they promised to come back and talk to us about what had happened. This is where the story takes an unexpected turn. The male police officer came back later that night and sat down with me and my mom to talk. He explained that the guy on my patio was actually diagnosed with severe autism. He had escaped a facility where mentally challenged people lived, located around 5 kilometers from where I live. He explained that the guy had been living in my house 5 years ago, but he had been forced to move when his mom, his only caretaker, died. The poor guy probably thought he would find his mom in my house. He missed the routines, and he missed living there with his mom. The police had to move him from the house that time five years ago, because he was extremely strong. This was the reason he reacted the way he did when the police came on this day. Still frightened, I told the police officer that he needed to make sure that this would never happen again. He promised it wouldn't. After a few sleepless nights, my life got back to normal. The years went by, and the guy didn't come back until one year ago. At this time, my mom and dad had moved out. I bought the house from them, and I'm still living there today. I was enjoying my morning coffee on the patio when I see this random guy stopping on the road by my fence. He just stands there, looking at me. I look at him and give him a nod. And then I hear the high-pitched noises. Holy shit, it's him! His hair had turned gray. But the high-pitched sounds he made made me realize it was him. My heart started racing, and I instantly remembered the reason why he was back. I realized that he must have managed to escape again. Because I kept my cool a bit longer than when I was nine, I started to realize how sorry I felt for the guy. Sixteen years later, and he was back to look for his mom. I decided to carefully ask him if he wanted to come down to the patio. He instantly jumped a fence. I started to think he would knock me out like he did to that police officer, but he didn't. He smiled. He looked at me and smiled. I offered him to sit down. He didn't respond. I offered him to come inside, and he started laughing. So we went inside. His face lit up, pure joy. He was home. It reminded him of the life he had with his mom. It almost made me tear up. All of a sudden, he sat down on my couch, turned on my TV, and switched directly to the cartoons. I observed him for a while, and he was just completely focused on the cartoons. I just wanted him to enjoy the moment, so I didn't say anything to him. I realized that I had to call the facility to let them know. 
the caretakers arrived 10 minutes later. And after a whole lot of convincing, he got back up, crying, and they went back to the facility. I called the facility two days later, and we made a deal. His name is Tom, and I now consider Tom my friend. Every Sunday from the day he returned, Tom and his caretakers visit me to watch cartoons. They say it's the highlight of his week, and it makes my heart warm. Now, for several years my thoughts were, let's not meet guy on the patio eating from the ashtray. And now my thoughts are, let's meet every Sunday to watch cartoons, my friend Tom. <laughs>